Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to the Milestone Pursuit Podcast. The podcast, of course, brings you a number of things. It brings you the occasional workout, which you can download and plug into and run alongside me as if I'm there with you. It's the podcast that brings you recovery rambles, where I run nice and easy around the beautiful Epping Forest and talk about something that's on my mind. And it is the podcast that brings you conversations with the elites as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathon runners. And today, on Monday the 7th of August, that's what we've got. We've got a conversation with Tish Jones as part of our mini-series into women in sport, looking at the development and some of the issues within women's sport through the eyes and experiences of women in running. And Tish, of course, is no stranger to the podcast, featuring in episodes 97 and 110, if you want to look back and listen to some of the things that she's spoken about before, which kind of feed into this conversation a little bit. And of course, there's a 231 marathoner who has suffered from injuries since she was selected to run for Great Britain in the 2019 World Marathon Championships in Doha. And this one builds on that and it also builds on the previous episode in our little mini-series with Natasha Cochran. And in that previous episode we spoke about how Natasha and her team were, were under some pressure to perform and how their individual and collective needs as women were largely ignored in that process and how fueling became a real problem for the team, specifically under-fueling. But it's been a couple of weeks since we published that episode and in that time I've been on holiday. Lucky me. Had a lovely 10 days or so in Croatia. A little bit of time in Dubrovnik, not been there before. What a cracking spot that is. Something for everyone there, I reckon. Young people, old people like me, loads going on. Beautiful. Then further up the coast, towards Zadar, in an activity-fueled frenzy of a week. Out on the water, up in the mountains. Brilliant, so much to do. Really good fun, and I got up high into the mountains on a couple of runs. I call them runs, but they're mainly scrambles across the rocks in the Paklenica, which you probably don't say like that, National Park. Brilliant, I shall be heading back at some stage to do even more running through the mountains. I've come back and the forest is a bright green. 
so much rain while we were away apparently everything was grown loads lovely lovely and fresh this time last year it's yellow and brown everywhere and of course in that time as well we've been enjoying the women's football world cup and just today the lionesses qualified for the quarterfinals in a very tough and physical match against Nigeria that Nigeria definitely had the better of and one of the things that's really come through loud and clear in this World Cup is the improvement in the quality of the defences in particular which I think is about the quality of the coaching and the competitiveness of the football and then we also see in today just some just a couple of interesting dynamics that have occurred. So we had the sending off of Lauren James for a stamp on her, her opponent. Not dissimilar to David Beckham in 98 and Wayne Rooney in 2006. A bit of petulance that could cost the team and sully their own reputation. The difference this time was that England won but I do wonder how much the reaction will be different within the dressing room but also within the media. David Beckham was vilified for his mistake. Will Lauren James be treated differently? Let's hope so and let's hope the empathetic leadership which we've spoken about in previous episodes of Serena Wiegmann will make a big difference to not just the way she's treated but also the way she responds in the future. And also there's some more empathy to throw into that conversation. Displayed by Chloe Kelly who scored the winning penalty. And instead of running round in a big frenzied mob, as perhaps we saw sometimes in the Men's Football World Cup, her first action was to console the Nigerian goalkeeper who was in floods of tears. Again, I wonder how different the responses in the men's game might have been. But let's move on. Let's move on to talking about some of the issues that make women and men different biologically and what impact that has. And so we are going to join our conversation with Tish, but we're going to start a little bit of science, a little bit of science chat from me. Now, in previous episodes, we have talked about the fact that women are different biologically, but we haven't really delved into what that means, how they are different, indeed, uh, what the differences are. I think it's worth exploring the idea that across the board, pretty much all the world records for men and for women are about 10% out from each other. The same is true in swimming, interestingly, and it's exaggerated at the shorter distances. And in swimming, actually, women are a lot closer to men at the longer distances, which I think is quite interesting. And there's a similar phenomenon going on in running, but not quite to the same extent. But why is that? And today we're going to explore that a little bit with Tish Jones. But before we get into that conversation with Tish about her own experiences, let's get a little bit into the science I'm going to start here with talking about the body's oxygen demands. So when we exercise, we need more oxygen to get to the muscles, to work with the muscle glycogen to create energy. Obviously, we get oxygen from the air via our lungs into our bloodstream to the muscles. And the reality is that women typically have smaller lungs, smaller heart, 
and lower hemoglobin levels. And hemoglobin is obviously how oxygen is carried through the bloodstream. So less oxygen gets around the system, or at least it gets there less easy, less quickly for women rather than men. And women have less muscle mass than men because testosterone, the predominantly male hormone, creates that muscle mass. And women have a greater proportion of body fat, which can be useful in longer distances when fat rather than carbs is the main source of energy. But over short, higher intensity efforts, including the marathon, that body fat might actually be unhelpful since it carries weight and that weight, extra weight may not be useful. And it's a lack of awareness of those things that can lead to mistakes. And by definition, thinking about men and women differently, therefore becomes a necessity. And those mistakes can be pushing too hard, perhaps at the wrong time in relation to the menstrual cycle. But arguably, most significantly of all, is the pressure that is placed on women around fueling. The temptation is to seek performance gains by reducing weight. And that is especially true under the pressure of ill-informed coaches or coaches that are lacking empathy, as we saw with Natasha. And then that creates an imbalance between the amount of fuel consumed and the amount of energy expended through training. And Tish has a bit of experience in that. So I wanted to talk to Tish today about her experiences of the energy intake versus the energy expenditure imbalance. Some people talk about that as red S, so relative energy deficiency in sport. Some people talk about it as the female triad, and the female triad is having low energy, menstrual dysfunction, and then low bone density. So there's loads going on in there, loads of science. But let's hear some real life experiences. So Tish, do you want to start by just talking about your experience of underfueling and or its impact upon your training? Yeah. It's difficult to know where exactly to start because it's probably something I've done for the mo- the best part of my career, really. Um, and it, in, it's a combination of just loving training in general, loving being active and pushing my body and being outdoors and loving food, but just not understanding really the output that I was having or the output that that the energy expenditure versus what I was actually putting in. So regardless of me knowing that I was eating food, I didn't know and I wasn't paying enough attention to what I actually needed to perform that training, to recover from all of the activity and to adapt from the training and actually get benefits from it. And on the flip side as well, just not resting enough not having enough of everything else so the balance was completely out for me um and it's very easy and it was very easy to get caught up in doing that because it's very routine like um as a runner and as a as an athlete that that structure of my day and my week and my month and these blocks it was really important to me and it meant everything for me to be able to do all of the training all of it all the time and that's what I did and it and you can get away with it for a certain period of time (laughs) um and you can see that in in sporadic race results but because they aren't consistent there's a reason why and that is because of that breakdown that happens as a result of you doing all of those things not paying attention to everything else it's really easy to focus on the physical activity because 
that's the thing everyone wants to do. That's the thing that we're motivated to do. Discipline comes in so many different forms. And I would always consider myself as very disciplined. And anyone, an outsider would see that discipline when it comes to my training. But I've come now more to understand how discipline for me is the hardest part is resting. The hardest parts are doing all the other little things or the one percents that help that balance, that help that adaptation and that make you become a better athlete. That is discipline. Yeah. So we tell ourselves that discipline is actually about getting out there every day, doing our sessions, whatever it yeah. is, whether it's on the bikes, a run, a run, a, an easy run, a, an intense session, a long session or swim or whatever else it is. And we're on the go all the time. And you're someone who likes to be active on the go all the time don't like to rest particularly don't rest particularly easily yeah and all of that's requiring energy yep all of it <laughs> yeah and you have to put that energy back into the system yeah and and you can you can eat and it, you could be seen to be eating and you can make sure that you have this before training this after training but it's very easy to miss out that what what exactly do you need like how much do you need after that one you're, you're just your basic metabolic rate. Like what, what do you need without training? Are you covering that at the very minimum? And for adaptation purposes and to make you a stronger, fitter athlete, you, you, I doubt very much if you haven't really looked into that and delved into that side of things that you are hitting your targets there. Because yeah. especially if you're busy training all the time, making time making time to prepare food and um, make sure you've got enough of this this and this that all takes time as well but that isn't our that isn't always our focus and our priority our focus is on how long is the session how long am I warm up warm up for how how long is quarter how long does it take to get to where I'm going to be that part is everyone's focus is on that because that is what we really want to be doing but mm. as athletes and as runners or even if you just want to achieve certain running goals, it doesn't have to be at a high level, but our motivation, we don't need to be driven to do that. We don't need to be told to get out to do that. We want to do that part. But actually, I need to be, be more disciplined about resting. That's my that's my focus because I know that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. And eating as well? Or do you think that's covered, that's covered now, but historically, was it? Uh, no one ever had to motivate me to eat. Because I was always hungry, because I was always training. And I'll be well known by many people for loving food, like loving this and going here and knowing where to go to get the best this, this and this. But it's still not, it can, it could still be better. It wasn't, it was, I was eating because I was hungry because I was training all the time. You shouldn't be feeling hungry all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that um, suggests you're eating the wrong things. It it might be that I'm fueling as I'm going, but I'm not fueling to recover. I'm not fueling to gain anything from the training. So there would have been an energy deficit. And that's why I was always always needing food or fear, thinking about it. It's like you, if you're satisfied and you've eaten enough and you move on, you do your training and you, you don't crave it all the time you don't have to think about it all the time you'll just think about it as your your next meal time arrives but I just remember always 
always being quite on edge, feeling that it's like a borderline hungry, but it's not like I was making sure that I was hungry all the time. It was just happening because I was doing a lot. And whether that was three hours on the bike, which will burn some energy, um, running, swimming, going to the gym. If it wasn't one thing, it was another thing or mm. multiple things. So if I look back now, I feel stupid. But at the time, you're caught up and it's very easy to do that. It's a routine. You do, you eat, you're putting energy in, but you're burning it all the time at a faster rate. And that's the problem is that then you have to get out of that. And as a, as an athlete that wants to train, you're not, you're not really likely to cut your training back, but that's what you should be doing. You should be making sure there's a balance between the energy expenditure and what you're actually putting into your body. So in your situation, it wasn't necessarily that you weren't fueling yourself well enough. It was more that you were exercising too much and that yeah, led to it, the, it, the deficiency. It was it would have been very difficult for me to eat more. Yeah. I I probably could have done, but I was training. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I was supposed to eat. But then, yeah, I mean, I didn't ever fuel uh, like carb drinks on the bike and things like that. This is, this is a way you can keep on top of stuff, like making sure you're actually fueling whilst you're going. And I never really did that. And that, that was a, a big issue. And I'm really fortunate to have, ph nutrition now which my hydration and my carbohydrates on on the go so i feel like my training sessions count like if i'm out i'm fueling so i can actually get more and feel like i have energy Mm. and even in that period of time i'd have good good sessions but a lot of it was tired i was just you, you were just going because you're mentally strong enough to work through feeling tired basically yeah which something you do have to do when you're running marathons and running long distance you have to train your brain to be able to cope with that but you don't have to put yourself in that race environment all the time and you shouldn't be feeling fatigued all the time either should you all the time not when you're exercising some of the exercise should be energy creating you're getting out getting things moving helping yourself feel better i mean the classic one for me is the recovery run well you should feel better at the end of it than you did at the beginning because you've stimulated yourself you've got the blood flow moving you've eased off any achiness from a hard session the day before or previously that day and you should feel better but often we don't because we don't feel well enough yeah and it and that uh the balance between your actual sessions that that matter that you should be going into, I remember there was a big shift last year for me, going into training rides. I did have an injury at the time, so I wasn't running. Going into a ride and knowing that that was my session day and feeling like I had energy to burn and power. And it felt amazing. I mean, it was a while ago that I did shift and start eating better and my 2019 results come around as a result of that. But it's just much more installed in me now. And the difference is amazing. A difference to training when you, you've got the energy to train and knowing how absolutely rubbish you feel when you haven't. And if you think about it, like if you do have a really fatigued few days or weeks, I would just encourage you to look at why that might be, because there could be a few really easy solutions to that 
rest, mm-hmm. eat, do some different type of training, stimulate your muscles in a different way. If strength training isn't part of your routine, it should be. And you probably will feel good after that session. And if that's if that's a turning point for you, then great. It's it's something that definitely should help you. I think what's interesting here is, is this idea that all of your activity is energy burning. And the most obvious thing in the world as well to think that, you know, everything we do, including breathing, uses and burns energy, which requires food to create the energy for. That's what metabolism is. And we don't often think about all of our activities. We just think about our training. We just think about our run. And actually, we don't even think about the two things mixed or when we cross train, we don't think about the two things mixed because we might go, well, I did a run and that was fine, but I'm going to do my recovery session in the pool. Yeah, but you're still burning energy. You still need to refuel that. And I don't think we're particularly good at thinking about those things collectively, everybody, men and women. No, I agree. And, and it's, it's, it's just very easy to just get into a routine of forgetting. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I regret a lot, but, I am also very proud of myself for turning things around very quickly. It's just that the problem is, uh, and certainly in a as a female athlete, having done that for years and years, the effects on my skeletal system and my my hormone function and everything like that, it was already taking its toll, and it's something that was kind of stay with you, and you have to battle it a lot more in the future when you get older which is a shame because it at the time you don't feel like you're doing anything wrong you feel like you're doing everything right you feel like you're doing everything you can actually you're not but at the time you feel like everything I'm doing is towards this goal this training I want to be an Olympian I want to go to worlds and the focus is solely on training Mm. Our temptation is to keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing as hard as we possibly can until we get better train yeah train harder what do they do do what they're doing and and it's really it's just really easy I mean perhaps I wasn't as educated in the area that I should have been but again you just get you just get into that cycle of continually doing it because Mm. at some point you get a result that you like and you're like right well what did I do what was I doing keep doing that and if you can do any more do more I think it's interesting because this would affect men and women similarly because men will push hard and red s is a phenomenon that can hit men too so not having enough energy in the system and that leads to things breaking down but actually you think about it the warning signals for women are actually more prevalent they're more obvious not that we necessarily act on them all the time but there are more obvious warning signals for women in your experience what were the warning signals that you saw but probably ignored until it was too late um i mean initially bone stresses it wasn't ignored my bone density was recorded and it was lower than it should have been for me it wasn't ignored but a a lack of a lack of menstrual cycle was not ignored worried about but scared of what to do about it and how how to get through it and 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 again it wasn't completely ignored but it that sort of thing over years of of it being the case it takes years to to balance things out again. So after trying and trying constantly to help both things, things have changed for the for the better, but it has taken a long time. 
Yeah. So, and that's the classic warning signal, isn't it, for of red S and their female triad is the lack of a menstrual cycle or menstrual dysfunction. And yeah. the Im- impact that has is your estrogen levels are suppressed and therefore you're not, um, and estrogen has a key role in maintaining bone health. And also your progesterone levels are, are lower, which has a key role in building bone strength, which therefore leads to reduced bone density and over time of impact bone stress issues which you've suffered from so one yeah. le- one leads to the to another so a potential red flag of this intake versus expenditure imbalance that exists described as red s is menstrual dysfunction yeah yeah i mean it's it plays a large role in and a lot of the the injuries i mean having bone stress injuries or or lower bone density that is one of one of the main reasons i was so worried all the time is because I kept continually getting them and you can the the problem is with those types of injuries the the things you have to do is take the volume out take the intensity out stop training for weeks on end all these things if you're continually doing those things I mean you could get an injury every year it could be a slight tear here or a tear there but with bone stuff it takes you out of action for such a long period of time that your tissue tolerance decreases quicker as well because you're not able to load anything. And when you're running, you need that conditioning. You need to condition your body to be able to run and withstand it. So these continual bone stresses I was having and then having to get back to running and not knowing how quickly to do that and hearing one way to do it from one person and another way to do it from another and trying to find your own way to do it and how your body will tolerate it. But then over years, and as, as you're getting older as well, it's like the the window of opportunity is is decreasing and you're just speeding that process up because you've got this injury again and another one like that again. And it doesn't matter where in the body that stress fracture is, it's, it's going to be a load, be- like a weight-bearing bone. So you can't do anything but not train. And even riding a bike, you can maintain a certain anaerobic or aerobic threshold, but and you can have some pretty hard sessions in a pool, but tissue tolerance around those joints and the muscles that you need to load for running is just decreasing at a rapid rate. And it's it's scary. So it's just something that I would definitely sooner rather than later focus on. And if it means you have to take time off of running, rather do that now than than have to do a lot more of it in the future yeah which is interesting and the other thing that i think is interesting there is you you're describing a situation where you have to stop running but the temptation because you want to stay fit is to cross train so you go into the pool or you go onto the cross train or you go onto the bike and you smash out sessions there which is great from an aerobic fitness um, perspective possibly from a strength one as well but it's also taking up energy so unless you're fixing the first part of the problem which is the relationship between energy in intake and expenditure you're just going to con- continue to have the same problem on an ongoing basis so yeah. that big red flag i think is a really powerful one that we can use to interpret what's going on in our body and try and fix things before they become a bigger issue like you've been describing yeah it's it's really although running is one of the hardest forms of exercise for the majority of people riding it's like you can control it a bit more or perhaps you don't have you don't have the 
the know-how as to how to do a, a, a running session on a bike, for example. But it's very easy for you to burn the same amount of energy on a bike than it is to run. It's just it might take you a bit longer, but then you're still using that energy up. So understanding where you're going wrong for those issues to happen, that if your bone density is lower or you stop menstruating or you have um, another symptom if you're a male, for example, but understanding what part of that you need to work on. Do you need to rest more? Do you, are you struggling with the eating side of things? Um, it's not normally because you're you're not loading enough. Um, and that's another reason why women have low bone density. If they're not runners, for example, it still happens. It's just that bone density does decrease as we get older. Um, so it's still good for you to be able to load. And that's where other things, other types of training come in as well, which is strength training for bone density is one of the best ways that you can improve that or, or at least slow that, that rate down. Um, so, and it's also not quite as, it doesn't expend as much energy as in you could have a brutal session you don't have to be in the gym for hours on end. That's another thing. <laughs> just don't go and do exactly the same thing as you were doing when you were yeah. running and using yeah. up all that. In fact, you can use up more energy when you're cross training than when you've just got a structured running plan because your focus is running. You you do your easy days, you do your workouts, you do a little bit of this and and you don't add riding, you don't add cross training because you don't have to. So actually it's easier to kind of maintain the um energy and energy out balance but obviously before that if you if you've got these issues then something is wrong yeah. and it's normally the eating part of things if it's just you're only running and that's your only training method yeah so it's eating and resting and getting those balances right over time there is also as you said strength and conditioning that can really help with bone density so if you fix the sort of input issues which is eating and resting making sure you're not expending too much energy and you're taking in enough energy but also you're making sure you're protecting your bone health through yeah. strength and conditioning which does that and i think the interesting thing you say there is well don't go mad and then start smashing it in the gym and manage your energy expenditure because actually in the way that we're describing your energy can be measured by how hard you're working how out of breath you're getting throughout a session because obviously the more out of breath you're getting the more you're tapping into your carbohydrate reserves your higher intensity effort reserves and that is a definite by definition a measure of how hard you're working whereas in the gym you don't necessarily need to be getting out of breath it doesn't need to be cardio and in fact if anything it's probably going wrong if you are if you're just doing some weights and you're getting out of breath so it's trying to work a different system and doing that in a structured way can really help over a long period of time yeah and, and and definitely with the strength side of things, in order to improve bone health or help bone health, you're looking at heavier loads, which means lower repetitions, less time. It's a, a more functional short period of time that you're looking at being in a gym for if you're going for that goal. Because if you look at everyone in a gym environment, everyone's doing different things. A lot of people would do a circuit style, high repetition They'll come out dripping with sweat. If you're a runner and you want to stimulate a completely different system, running is very highly repetitive. And that's the, that's one of the issues. That's why it's quite an injury prone type of thing to do. High volume, high intensity, high impact. All of those things contribute to injuries quicker than low volume, 
higher load, good, obviously good technique, making sure you know exactly what you're doing, but putting the bones under under stress in a different way Mm. and stimulating the bone to get stronger, to adapt and to withstand what you're doing. It knows running, but it's that kind of highly repetitive, just tapping away at the bones at a very low level. And and having rest from that time is really important. Even if running one day on, one day off works for you, it's giving those bones the chance to recover and respond to that training, be stronger, have time to get stronger. And the strength training is the same thing. You don't have to do that every day. A couple of days a week if you've got the time. One day a week if you've got the time. It's still, you've got adaptation time in between then. That's great. Yeah. So in your experience of your own situation, what were the things that you did to get yourself through it? Um, Over time, just learning how much I need rest, (laughs) how much rest I need. Eating like a normal person, as in thinking about myself as not not an athlete. Not that I don't consider myself an athlete, I do. And that's all I want. But if I think about how much anyone would need to eat to maintain some hormone balance and to maintain energy and energy out. I mean, I, I have put on weight and that's, that's something that needed to happen. And that is because the energy balance was completely out for a very long time. And in order for my body to kind of trust me again, <laughs> it's something that needed to happen, but everything I, I know that I can achieve similar results with an extra few kilos on me as a healthy weight. So it's not like you have to be tiny to run fast over short distances or long distances. You have to try, I have to now train my body at a different weight to be able to do the same thing. And that takes patience and it takes dedication and time, but I don't have a problem with that side of things. As as I've said, I don't have a problem with working on fitness or, and, and it's, it's almost like, it's quite nice. You've got this goal again. You've got to get fit again. You've got to get strong. And you, I remember doing that years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was just doing it with very little energy then. And I was tiny. Other things, are, yeah, I mean, I found other hobbies, pretty much. Other things that aren't as um, active or that don't necessarily involve physical training for hours on end. Um, but it's it's difficult because for me, and I'm sure other runners are the same or similar, that you like being active it has to be if you're not running there has to be a replacement activity that that is similar to running (laughs) yeah yeah and there's loads of reasons why we do that isn't it so there's not just the physical there's the mental side of it too and keeping keeping ourselves full of dopamine serotonin the things that we know keep our brain active and alive so it's making sure we're finding ways to replace those things that are healthy for us as well yeah, and, and and I think it's very easy to consider yourself as an active person and that's the only thing that's going to make you happy. But if you haven't looked around and searched for something that perhaps you can still get that nice feeling that, that you get from running, you can get you might find something that isn't quite as um energy expending or intense for your body physically that you'll get the same out of and it it could be anything it could be I don't know if you if you love animals you can go and volunteer and work with some dogs they're always great 
dogs are great. <laughs> yeah, dogs are great. Runners um, love dogs. Yeah, but then, like, if you take look after some dogs or something that needs looking after, it's just these sorts of things. I, I mean, I did because I found love in that, and it helped me so much when I when I couldn't do anything, just looking after someone else's dogs because I couldn't have my own environment, but they're just happy all the time. There's <laughs> unconditional love there. And sometimes you just need that. And I picked up an instrument and that was something I'd wanted to do for years. And I, I didn't feel like I would get so much out of it, but I did trying to learn a new language. And these things are, it's stuff that you kind of want to do, but you don't because you're busy running. Yeah. So you're, <laughs> you're busy using up loads of energy that's going to yeah. stop you doing that in the future. So the irony here is you're talking about things that you probably would get into when you're injured because you've got more time on your hands away from training. So you go, well, what am I going to do with my time? I'm going to learn a new language or I'm going to learn how to play the drums in your case, or I'm going to learn, or I'm going to go and give my time to the dogs or whatever it might be because I've got this time. But it's also about managing your energies and becomes an ongoing and sustainable way of making sure you don't overtrain and don't, yeah. don't use too much energy relative to the amount that you're able to put into the system. And the interesting thing here from you is that the energy to expenditure intake imbalance wasn't created by an eating disorder. It wasn't created by not eating enough and fearful of being too heavy. It was created by burning so much, by being active so much. So you're finding different ways to fuel your brain and your need to be active that doesn't require quite so much energy was really important. Yeah. And and carrying those activity if you find something that you do that does fill that gap for you when you are injured and you can't train the, the the turning point for me i think is to continually do those things if i need to have reasons to rest and it's but it's become part of me now it's become part of my way of life and it and it's it's been helped by other people as in the encouragement to rest and the reminder that it needs to be done. So I don't really think too hard about having rest days now. I mean, it's I like training. That's just me. I would rather train than not train. But I know how important it is to rest. And I think the feeling of feeling fresh when I train is too amazing to have no rest days and just feel like kind of mediocre all the time. So if you start to learn how different that is, that feeling of being fresh, bouncy, springy, like, I don't know, just a young runner. Again. Yeah, alive. <laughs> you feel alive. Yeah. And the going out there and running consecutive days and actually feeling quite flat and then feeling flat for days on end. And there's a that, you know, there's there's one thing you can do to stop that. And that is take a rest day. And I've. It's just, it's funny because I'm talking about it out loud and I'm like, why did I do it for years? <laughs> <laughs> well, why do we all do it? We all do it because, partly because we get a lot out of it for our brains, not just our bodies. We are yeah. also driven and, and as you were, like train, 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 train. And sometimes if we're in a low or in a bit of a lull, we might go, oh, the only way to get out of this is to keep going and not take a step back and go, actually, I need a bit of rest here. But actually, it's not just the rest, it's finding something else to do with your time that stimulates the brain. Yeah. That gets you out of the stress of work or the stress of home. Yeah. Yeah. If it's if it's partly an escapism, which is very common, that, that what I'm saying is there's other ways to escape. 
Mm. And it doesn't, it doesn't always, then it's not in the form of being sort of in this physically intense environment. Um, because ultimately, yeah, you, you're trying to balance hormones and that, that intense environment all the time, regardless of whether it's running, cycling, cross training, swimming, that is what will not help balance your hormones well because it is constantly under stress all the time and your cortisone levels will be high all the time. That stress hormone will not allow balance. So it's just really important that you do try to establish whether you can find something in your life that will help you relax in a time where you're actually quite stressed Yeah, <laughs> because you can't do the thing that you love the most. So finding other things that you're passionate about will help with that balance. It, you, I've always thought mine, my kind of hormone imbalance was purely from running, but I think there was a lot of other stresses that would have helped with that. So just looking at a more holistic picture, not just, oh, it's running, because people will then start to associate kind of running as a negative impact on their health. And it's not. It, it just needs to be managed better. It's the most wonderful thing. I love going out running and I have someone I run with now, which is nice. And and that's the happiest time for me. But I still, I know how to balance now and I get help with that. <laughs> well, it's brilliant though, isn't it? Because you've learned, it's taken a while to learn and that's not a criticism, obviously. It's because it takes a while to learn because it takes a while to learn what works. But it also takes a, lot, a, a while for things to land. But you've got a much more balanced picture now. We've spoken about this before. You're much happier. So my impression of you is you're much happier. You can tell me if I've got that wrong. You, <laughs> I am. <laughs> you're much more balanced as a human. And I think in the longer run, that's likely to lead to improved performance because you've got a much better understanding of who you are and what makes you work. Yeah. And you're still ambitious. You still want to run at the highest level. But knowing this about yourself, having that level of self-awareness that you've got now is going to be really powerful in that journey, I think. Yeah, I think it is. And and there are other kind of limiting factors as I as I get older. <laughs> yeah. It's so I'm not I haven't written myself off. I just I just know I'm being I'm realistic about what I can achieve or what I can hope to achieve. And whether I have to shift the goalposts to different things, that's fine. I've only really got myself to blame in that respect, as in I this I should have had this realisation sooner. But I also consider that my running career started in my late 20s. So my learning curve was short and steep and well, well long. It's long now, but I my running career didn't start when I was 16. So I, I might have got to these issues much earlier on and made changes much earlier on, but I didn't. That's just me. But I would just encourage anyone who's perhaps got time <laughs> to, to figure this stuff out. And the information and the education around this is just blown up. And it's amazing. The research behind it and the people that have a clue, because I... I don't have all the knowledge. I've got the experience that I have and I can help people using my experience. But there, there's a lot more science out there and people that have the know-how. And it is really important you use that now because it's here. I didn't have that. 
Mm. And and I don't resent it. I, I'm happy that there's information to be had and not for just women, mm. but men as well. And that's there's more research going into that too. And I think that's brilliant because it's easily overlooked. And I know many men that have had stress fractures as a result of training. So yeah. it's definitely something they need to look at too. No, 100%. And I think the science is really interesting and in how the science is developing and understanding, but it, that science is becoming more important and more powerful because mm. there's more of it, particularly for women, because more and more women are active now than ever before. And sport a professional level for women is becoming a bigger thing than it's ever been before. So the understanding of how the women women's bodies are biologically different in and how, what you do about that around training is becoming more important because of the professionalization of women's sport. And so yeah. that's going to benefit everybody. So the more we understand about the female body and what's going on, with it, it's going to obviously going to help women, but potentially, as you say, it might help men too, because we get a better understanding of what causes some of the bone stress issues that do affect men as well as women yeah yeah and 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 there is a lot of information out there but it's really important to remember to, to treat yourself as an individual and not not follow the same the exact same um path as a professional athlete that you aspire to be like so just because they're doing 100 mile weeks it doesn't mean your body can tolerate 100 mile weeks and it's just something i've I've noticed as well, knowing that I look around at the other marathoners that running at the level I was running at when, when I was at my, my best and knowing what mileage they were top, like <laughs> they were churning out and just like, I don't, I don't get how my body would be able to do that. And you just have to know this about yourself mm-hmm. or want to know it about yourself and just be prepared <laughs> to have to be different. Um, it doesn't mean you can't achieve the same results, if not better, I balanced eventually across training and running. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've achieved my best results on a lot of training, but it's it's had a negative impact further down the line. So th- there could be the straw that broke the camel's back somewhere in the near future for someone that is doing exactly what I was doing and feeling like I was doing everything correctly. Yeah. And it's it's more, the emphasis would be more on what are you not doing? And that's normally not not to do with training. That's yeah. normally to do with the actual kind of balance of hormones, the rest, the recovery, um, and the energy intake, that kind of thing. They're the things we're not looking at most of all. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's great. So we've got a really good understanding now of what the flags are what we can do about some of those things and you've got really good understanding of yourself and treating yourself very much as the individual you think that everybody should treat themselves as which i fully agree with obviously and we can all think about things in a more holistic manner rather than just about our running and our training and we can move forward yeah and if anyone is ever worried or they don't they're just scared that no one else is in the position that they're in they probably are um, and I I was fortunate enough to find that out and know that I wasn't on my own. So I'm always there if people, anyone needs to talk. That's amazing. And, you know, individual, we we treat ourselves as individuals, but we know we're not alone. Yeah, there's going to be someone out there that's probably dealing with the same stuff. It's just very difficult sometimes to talk about things because you feel like I don't think anyone else would be going through this. Hmm. And and I'm not talking about res because there's obviously a lot of a lot of female athletes as well that have come forward and 
given their experiences, which has probably helped a lot of other female athletes. But if yours feels slightly different, it's probably there's someone's going to be out there with the same level of experience and they're also struggling. So, yeah, just ask for help. Talking is good. It is. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, what a great message to end on. So we'll finish there for today. So thank you very much, Tish. And good luck with your ongoing uh, journey and recovery to full fitness. Thank you. As ever, there are some great themes emerging from that really interesting and in-depth conversation. I'm going to attempt to summarise them a little bit now, adding to the things we already discussed in the chat. And the first theme is that even without an eating disorder, it can sometimes be hard to eat enough. Underfueling doesn't have to be because you have an eating disorder. It could be because you're so active, as we saw with Tish. The second theme is that it's important to rest. Sounds fairly obvious, doesn't it? But not isn't always. And it isn't always for active people. So it's important at times to replace energetic activities with less energetic ones in order to manage your overall energy expenditure. Could be dogs, could be drums, and it could happen by necessity to injury slowing us down and finding ways to use our time and our active brains and to keep our active brains occupied. But it could also be by design or then be by design, a conscious strategy to manage energy expenditure. The third theme that came out for me was that the issue of energy deficiency can affect everybody, but it would appear to affect women disproportionately so, perhaps because the ramifications are more significant and perhaps more enduring when you think about menstrual dysfunction and how long that can take to repair itself. And of course the impact that can have on bone density and then bone stress injuries. But this leads into our next point. I think it's point number five, I'm not 100% sure. Women actually have a really good warning signal in that very same menstrual dysfunction. And to that extent, in that context, perhaps they have an advantage over men when it comes to energy deficiency. Although, of course, it is very complicated and it's very individual. And it's not something that people like to talk about. So it gets hidden away. And that's before we consider any other physical effects. And talking of physical effects, theme number six suggests that the issue appears to get worse as you get older your hormonal balance changes and your bone density reduces. And then bringing it all round together, tying it all up, theme number seven, which for me is that the relationship between energy out and energy in is actually key in managing the injuries and the issues that are caused by it getting to the heart of the problem and then building the strength around it 
and making that investment so that you can get payback in the long term not just in the short term in order to be able to keep yourself moving and of course that means we all have to understand how women are different biologically both collectively or generically and of course individually and how awareness of that is absolutely critical to the success of women in sport big themes good conversation episode 4 of our little mini series is done episode 5 will be with you shortly but in the meantime thanks very much for listening to today's conversation and I very much hope there is something of value in it for you even if that is to ask more questions because the answers are individual and developing over time And of course, please feel free to share, like, subscribe, review, rate, respond to. Are there any other actions missing there? Probably. It's probably something. Argue with, shout at maybe. And while you're doing that, I look forward to the next episode. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.